Community, community, community. Everyone in the marketing world is talking about it. Even everyone in the fintech world is talking about it. A combination of the pandemic, everyone going online, and even crypto seems to have weirdly brought us together through the power of online communities. But what does community really mean? And if you're a founder or a marketer, should you be trying to build a community to attract and retain customers? And what does a successful community look like? Today, I explore answers to those questions with our guest, Graham McBain. Graham is a community manager at Move, a B2B payments API company. He's in charge of the Move Slack community, which currently has over 2,500 members, is super active and by all measures a success. Communities are hard to build. The time and energy commitment is high, but the reward and upside is pretty much infinite. In this episode, we dive deep into how Graham went about growing the Slack community, how he maintains it, and his own thoughts on the future of community as a whole. Oh, and on the topic of community, we've just launched our own Slack group for fintech marketers. That's right, it's a Slack community where you can meet other fintech marketers and founders, engage in group discussions with industry experts, and chat about upcoming podcast episodes. You can join now at fintechmarketinghub.com forward slash Slack. This episode is full of practical and tactical tips and advice, so I really hope you enjoy. Let's hear from Graham. So Graham, uh, you work at the intersection of software and community. What attracted you to those fields? You know, I was attracted to software because I started my my first company about 10 years ago, and it was a hardware company uh, in the iPhone. So it was an iPhone camera mount. And then very quickly, new apps came out. This was early days of the iPhone that sort of eight features of our hardware product. And I was like, maybe I should learn about this software stuff, it seems like. A little more efficient than than spending a lot of money building tooling and and building physical products. So that got me really excited about software. Community is something that I actually shied away from, but you know, looking in hindsight, I always like to throw parties. I always like to do educational <laughs> stuff. And so you know, when this role came up at Move, uh, I thought, oh, I don't really want to be a community manager, but I really want to work at Move, so I'll go for it. And it's turned out that it's something that it's probably the only job I should do. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. You found your calling then. Yeah, (laughs) in a weird way. Yeah, that's really interesting. We will touch on that and dive into that kind of what what is so special about that intersection. But before, I want to ask you, how has fintech dev gone? Everyone was talking about it on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Everyone in the fintech space was talking about it. And you were part of the organizers at Move. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how it went. And um, yeah, how was it? Yeah, I mean, you know, we strategically placed it when we did to capitalize on everybody's loneliness. So that's why everybody wanted to talk about yeah. it. Um, but not, I think it, it went everything we wanted it to be, you know, we had set out and said, uh, I really want this to be an event where people go and come away inspired and don't feel like they were sold to all week. And people said mm-hmm. that to me verbatim. So it really feels like we nailed it on the content and the, um, the outlook, you know, it was our first year. And so there's a lot we can do better. Um, but we're all really excited with the outcome. That's sweet. How long did it take to prepare? Was it like a good 
year about a, or so? About a year, yeah. A good conference should take more than a year. Yeah. Um, but we just yeah. we just sort of went for it. Mm-hmm. Lots of planning, lots of sort of last minute drop offs. We had we had a speaker drop out sort of the day before mm-hmm. of the conference. Um, but we also had somebody buy a ticket the last day of the conference at eleven AM and showed up just to hear the ending keynote. And he's like, I saw everything on Twitter and I just had to come. We were like, Okay, great. Wow. Thanks. Nice. Well, were there any like main highlights? There were a few. Um, the team at Atomic did a workshop on reverse engineering APIs. And so they reverse engineered the Domino's mm-hmm. API and ordered a bunch of pizza. Um, so everybody wow. loved that. Um, we had the team from Paxos sort of taught everybody how to roll your own cryptocurrency infrastructure. Everybody really loved that. Um, Zach Brunke from HM Bradley um, it was worried me by telling me he hadn't written anything and then um, wrote something 5 a.m. the day of his workshop and turned out to be the most popular workshop of, of the week. So, wow. um, you know, just let let people that are good at stuff do their thing and don't worry. But um, really, a lot of people said the best part about it was the one-on-one connections that they made, that every other attendee was there to learn and grow, and that um, really made it for a special event. So hopefully we can keep lightning in a bottle. I kind of want to do the George Costanza thing and just say, that was perfect. Let's go. No more, no more conferences. But um, yeah, it was great. Yeah. And you'll probably do it next year, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. We're going to, we're going to try and keep it small, you know, keep the things that worked. Yeah. Add more stuff that, that worked. And yeah, we're really excited about continuing it. Would you say that even for a non-techie, so for a marketer, is it worth, like, would, would it be, you know, would we be completely lost or would we, you know, what do you think? We, you know, we, we say it's for builders, right? And so, you know, the, the top personas mm-hmm. that we would love to be there and were there were, um, you know, technical founders, engineers, and product people. There's not going to be content specifically for marketers. Um, yeah. But I've, as someone who's been a marketer in the past and is not ashamed of that, I think that it's valuable to know your space. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if you come not trying to build your email list, but come with a genuine curiosity for how to learn more and deeply understand fintech, it's definitely valuable. That's good to know. So you'd say, I mean, if you're a fintech founder, sending a couple of your engineers or your devs over to check it out would be like the most constructive way, probably. Yeah. And and if maybe you hired someone who's a great marketer, but they're not deep Mm -hmm. in fintech, this will get them Mm -hmm. deep really quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. And the videos from this year will be up soon. And so hopefully they can watch those and, and sort of judge for themselves if it's content that would be valuable again the next year. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. And obviously, hopefully next year, everyone can come from from other countries. Like right now, because of COVID, it was, right? Like US doesn't allow tourists, I think, at the moment. Well, not from the UK anyway. I'm not sure about other countries, but obviously that's a big barrier. Uh, hopefully hopefully next year, you know, anyone from anywhere can come. That's a plan. Yeah, that's, that's the goal. We had one speaker, um, Carla, who's a, an engineer at Lightning Labs who couldn't come from South Africa. And I was like, do you mm. really want to fly, you know, 30 hours just to do a talk? She was like, I'll do anything to get out of this house right now. So, um, yeah, we, we really want people to come from all over. Um, we're toying yeah, with great. the idea of maybe moving it to Atlanta. Um, and so doing like an Atlanta Denver thing where it's easier for West coast, easier for East coast. Um, obviously, you know, if, if you need to come, just let me know. Yeah. Well, maybe next year I would love to, I'll try and try and make it. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so yeah, today what I kind of wanted to chat about is something that you're, you know, you're in a very unique situation, which is, as we've mentioned before, you know, software and community. Um, and I kind of want to talk about your the the Move Slack community that you're managing. 
and that I'm also a part of, and I've been kind of seeing how it's been growing. And uh, a lot of people are talking about community, 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 community in the fintech world, in the tech world, everywhere. And I kind of wanted to dive a little bit deeper with you on this topic and kind of understand, you know, as a for fintech marketers, is community like how does that how do you even foster that? Is it worth it? And kind of where to get started. So that's that's kind of what we're um, aiming for. And so my first question to you is, you know, why why did you start? What 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 was the trigger to start a move Slack community? Yeah, that um, it you know it started before I started. Um, so mm-hmm. Wade and, and Adam were really the first two people working on this project two and a half years ago before it was even a company. Um, and the reason for a community is because it was open source libraries. They they didn't think it was going to be a company at first. They just started building these open source libraries that they knew everybody needed. Um, and then people wanted to ask questions and talk about it and, and get help. And so they thought it was a good reason to build a Slack channel around it. And then I was actually the sixth hire at Move, which shows how important they think community is. And so Wade was like, I'm, I'm terrible at this community stuff, which is not true. But he uh, he was <laughs> like, we need someone to do this full time. And and so, yeah, it was it was really cool. It was a big deal for me to be entrusted with such an important part of Move. But I feel like I've really enjoyed it. And I think, you know, the question of why is why do you do it is because in our space anyway, there's a lot of information that you need to get up to speed. I found Move because I wanted to start a fintech company. And so I was looking for a place to learn how to do that. And that's how I came to the Move community because it was sort of Move was this open source Slack or open source fintech stuff. And so I was like, well, they'll know how to build it. And I started asking questions. How do I use these open source libraries? And the answer became clear that this stuff is really hard and this is where you have all the answers. Um, and I realized that it would probably be easier for me to join Move and learn all the answers than it would be for me to try and build it and punch myself in the face a bunch of times. And and through that process, um, I knew that it would be, with my understanding, I could really help make that journey easier for other people. Um, and so that's really what I've tried to do is make it super simple for people to go from, I want to start a fintech, to what is the landscape? How do I do it? What are the paths? And who are the people I need to meet? And so I, I have my Calendly open for anybody to book time with me. And I probably have two or three one-on-ones a week with new community members where I just answer questions, introduce them to people. And then I make like 10 to 20 email introductions a week between people in our community. Yeah. So you're some kind of, you're like a connector between people in the fintech dev community, right? Yeah. In a big way. That's a huge part of my job is, is connecting people with either resources or other people and knowledge. And I, yeah, um, I, I chatted to Brian a few weeks ago, uh, sorry, a few months ago, so quite a while now. Um, and he told me something really interesting. He told me that at, at the Slack community, you focus a lot on not being salesy, like the move, like the brand barely appears, right? You're very non-salesy and you're really community driven. Um, what, what's the thought process behind that? Why is that so important? Yeah, it's important to me. I Wade has empowered me to be Switzerland. And so, you know, not being European, I had to read what that meant. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) But um, really, the goal was, it has to be the best place to learn about building in fintech, full stop. Mm. And and move isn't always the right answer for people. And um, I've learned a long time ago that you build trust, and which is so important in the developer world, 
trust is everything. And the developer world is extremely small. The entire world has, I think, 27 million software engineers and, and an extremely small subset of those people work in fintech. And so word gets around very quickly. Um, and so the goal is to just provide the best information possible on how to build a fintech of any kind, not just a kind that might use move. And it's pretty simple, right? If you are become the trusted source for how to learn to build a fintech, a lot of people are going to go to you first. And, and the people that are a good fit for move will self-select. We don't do any, we don't have any business KPIs tied to the community. So there's no, early on we had um, a, a, somebody who was like, hey, can I get the list of everybody in the community um, so I can put them on a drip campaign? And I said, absolutely not. And then, yeah. and they were like, <laughs> Wade, can, what Graham's not sharing this information. He was like, right, he's not supposed to. And so that, that really set the tone early <laughs> that that's, um, a clear distinction we make. And I, I get a lot of people that come to me and say, we want to start a community. We think it's a really great top of funnel for our marketing. And I'm like, well, full mm. stop, pump the brakes. That's not why you should do it. Um, and, and this one company was like, we want to do passwordless authentication and, and we want to build a community about how to do passwordless authentication. I was like, well, that's, that's just your product. What about a community mm -hmm. about authentication in general? And you teach people how to do every kind of authentication and you have all the best resources. And so it can be the authentication community because there is a small subset of people. And it sort of clicked for them like, oh, duh. you know. And if you teach people how to do it all the ways that you think are wrong and you say, well, and if you want to do it our way, here's that information, um, just like it is with everybody else, then people will trust you. And even if they don't use you, they'll recommend other people because they trust you. And that's the number one thing. Yeah, there's two things that are I, th I think are important here. First of all, you can't fake community. If you're if you're really trying to just market and hard sell, it's just obvious and no one's going to want to join that. And second of all, I would say that in order to gain someone's trust, and I don't know if you agree with this, but in order to gain someone's trust, you often have to sacrifice something. Uh, so in order for me to really trust X person, maybe they need to, I don't know, be willing to spend time with me, sacrifice time for me, sacrifice money, whatever it is, right? And I feel like one, for example, one very good way as a product, as a brand to, to, to build trust is to, for example, suggest that a competitor is a better fit when it actually is a better fit, right? So basically being super transparent and instead of just hard selling my own product, I'm actually saying, look, here actually here is a list of products, ours and our competitors, and we're actually going to help you find the best one, even if that means picking a competitor. I don't know how that links to the community. I guess my point is just that with that community, that's also your attitude, right? Which is competitors are welcome here, right? 100%. Yeah. I think the putting it, I've never framed it in the terms of sacrifice, but I like it. Um, and I'm going to find ways mm -hmm. to bring in like Mayan uh, mm -hmm. visuals into that, into that. But um, no, I think I think that is 100% right on. The, the simple examples of this are like, there's an um, insurance company here in the US that used to do a thing where they would give you the quotes of them plus two of their competitors. And they would say in their mm -hmm. commercials, like sometimes we're not the highest one and that's fine. Oof, um, and I that. think, yeah, it's it, you're 100% right. It's, it's sharing. I do email intros to people that you would consider our competitors all the time for companies that would need a better fit. And at FinTech DevCon, a bunch of people that that you might consider our competitors were there and were sponsors, and awesome. it was very Love intentional that. to say this is not MoveCon, this is FinTech DevCon. We just happen to be a sponsor, and we're going to launch some meetups too. Same thing, a bunch of quote unquote competitors are hosting 
fintech devs meetups in their city. And we think it's great. Like there, there doesn't have to be 30 developer communities for fintech. There should just be a giant one that everybody has equal access to. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. And yeah, in terms of uh, competitors, I also feel that Brian told me something when I when I chatted to him, he told me that it was really cool because in the Slack community, you'd have someone from N26 talking, I can't remember the specific examples he used, but people from competitors, large companies like JP Morgan Chase, I think, and someone else, maybe you know the examples, and they were chatting to each other on the community and it was just like, no one, you know, we just want to share information and chat. And that's it. Yeah. No intent. Well, and a lot of, you know, we talked about the fintech developer community being small. It was even smaller. And so a lot of the people that run these companies now were running companies 10 years ago when there were six people in fintech, right? And so they're all friends. Um, everybody wants to win, mm-hmm. of course, but everybody knows how hard this is. And so I think we had we had one person who wanted to know how to categorize direct deposits from employers. And then the head of the former CTO of Monzo said, oh, hey, we've done that. I can help you figure it out. Let me jump in your DMs and and talk you through it. And that guy now works at Singtera, which is another, which is like a banking as a service platform. And that's great. Um, And like we've, yeah, we've just got a ton of incredible people that want to help. I think what I what I also like about it is that it feels like it really aligns with what fintech is supposed to be, which is, you know, democratization and accessibility and transparency and customer centricity. And if we say that fintech is better than incumbents because of all those things, but then when it comes to marketing, we're like, ooh, com- competition, no, then it's you're defeating the purpose and uh, you, you're not saying what you, you say you want it to be. You're not being customer centric because being customer centric is, what we said before, is sending them to your competitor when they're a better fit. Because if you lie and you say, actually, come to us, you're not being customer centric you're 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 lying you're not and so yeah. you you can't have those double standards and that's what i really like about this is it's like obviously people who are participating in that are are f- trying to actually fulfill fintech's purpose yeah you know I don't, I don't think we do enough to say that um but i think you're right on i think mostly what it comes from is just um engineers don't really care about outcomes yeah that's true. <laughs> in that's some true. ways they yeah, do yeah. but for the most part um, a lot of engineers are just in it for solving hard problems. And if they see someone else solving hard problems, they're like, oh, well, I'm going to help that person. And and they may even be like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. But I think that's just everyone's <laughs> instinct. It's my favorite part about that's true. being part of this community is it's um, people that just want to help and do help each other do good work, which is cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm curious, why, why did you choose Slack? Is that because... For example, there's Discord. I'm in a few communities myself, and a lot of people use Discord also. And I, I would have thought, you know, devs would prefer Discord. But why? Why did you pick Slack? Um, you know, I I didn't pick Slack. Um, it was sort okay. of what we had already used, and I think Discord is great. Um, it also has a big spam problem with mm. you know cross channel stuff, and we have a lot of people yeah. who a lot of people leave traditional finance and come to fintech, and slack is a big jump for them you know so making them leap all the way to discord i think is probably that's a little too internet meme culture for them fair enough and did you i I don't know if you had this problem um i'm asking this also because uh along with brian and my my fintech marketing hub partner annie uh we want to we're considering starting a fintech marketing slack community partially inspired by yours 
And I, I'm, I'm curious to hear a little bit about how you set it up and everything. But I think, as you said, it was already up and running when you joined. But I'm curious, like, when you got started, how did you get people chatting? Like, did it just come naturally? Or was it already there flowing naturally when you joined? Or did you have to kind of promote it a little bit to get people to join? It requires, I'm, I'm in there 24 seven. So I'm, I am constantly, if you, if you're in there, you know, I'm like the first person to reply to basically everything. Um, and that's a huge deal. There needs to be feedback to the, as soon as somebody comes in, they need to get feedback because if they don't, they'll just assume that it's not for them or they said something wrong. You know, um, joining a community is a scary thing for people. It's like walking into a circle it, on the playground and, nobody recognizing that you're there. Right. Um, and so it's important to have someone in that circle whose job is to look that person in the face and go, Hey, I see you. Welcome. What can I do for you? Um, so that they feel, you know, like they belong. So that is super important. You know, like I said, it was already there and, and Wade and, and Adam set a really good precedent for doing that sort of thing. One thing that we also do is we don't automate anything. There's a lot of tools for automating your community and automating Slack and we just don't believe in that it's the whole thing about authenticity, right? People understand when a bot message happens and it means it's a lot of work for me, but it also is clear when I message someone and say, Hey, welcome, cool profile, or I love your company or blah, 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 blah. It's clear that I'm a human that took time to learn who they are and I'm reaching out one-on-one after FinTech DevCon, 200 people joined the Slack channel. And so I spent a day and a half welcoming people <laughs> to the community. So that's important. We do, we, we used to do happy hours every Friday. And so that's a big thing to just like, if you're new to the community, it's a good way to say like, come meet people and chat. So that's, it's good to have like a weekly thing like that. Um, we're going to move those to Slack AMAs just because, um, I've seen those be really successful in other places. So, you know, like we would have you come on and, um, for an hour today, you're going to answer any questions about what it's like to be a marketer in FinTech for people. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I was gonna, about to ask you like best practices in community. I like what you're saying about bots because I'm part of quite a few Slack ones and they do, well, one does does not, but one does. And it's just awkward when no one responds. It's just like a little bot that says like, happy Friday. How was your win? I mean, I, I think it's, I understand it obviously, but I think it's yeah. interesting what you're saying. Do it all manually. Are there any other best practices you found? Like I'm thinking one of the I, th- I can see happening uh, problems is like uh, unsolicited DMs trying to, you know, sell something. How mm-hmm. have you tried to control that? Yeah, we one of the first things I did was create a um, code of conduct for the community. Um, and that's, you'd be surprised to know, open source. So you feel free to, to take that and use it as you will. <laughs> and one of the big things in there is no selling, no, no DMs. You know, we, when our sales guy first jumped in, he was like, well, what if somebody you know, really seems like they want to use move. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> He's like, I'm just not going to activate my account. And I was like, great. That's even better. So, um, yeah, that's, that's important. Um, I hid all email so that nobody can just click on someone's profile and grab their email. Cause that's, it's another channel that I can't control. And then just empowering people to say, if somebody's DMing you, let me know and I'll ban them. And I'm very happy to ban people. Um, we had somebody who was <laughs> posting just like generalized LinkedIn advice, like how to grow your mm-hmm. LinkedIn profile. And I, and I kept deleting oh, it God. and telling him not to post it. And then he kept doing it. And so I just banned him because I was like, that's a adds no value to what we're trying to do here. Fair enough. I also like that you have 
other channels? You have food, you have memes. Is there like any favorite channel where it's, I mean, a favorite channel is not really the right word, but like, what, what is some fun stuff that goes on apart from talking tech? I mean, the food one and the, the dogs one is just like a eye cleanser, right? So like pets is great. Yeah. yeah. And the food one is really good. We have, we have one guy um, who's on our team who lives in Iowa and he's just constantly like smoking food and it looks amazing. Memes is my personal favorite just because that's what I'm into. Um, but it's great. I love, I just love uh, people connecting in those ways. You know, it's weird. I found that general, everybody wants to be seen, right? And general has everybody in it. And so it's a constant battle to try and push things to these smaller channels. And I have a debate right now is, should I even do that? Um, or should I let general be the this big thing? As we grow, we're running into different challenges now than when we were smaller. Before it was, how do you keep the conversation going? Now it's, how do you curate the conversation so that it's relevant? That's interesting. I think um, I think it's important to have, you know, the food, the dogs, the books and all that, because it humanizes it a little bit more. And also, this is what I'm realizing. Communities, it's very important in communities for them to be successful, for there to be that personal human element, because we're not meeting... This is what they say about Zoom meetings versus in-person meetings. In person, there's always that, like... Um, small talk, you know, how are your kids, et cetera. And on Zoom, it happens, but not really as much. It doesn't feel as authentic. And I guess that with with these channels in the community, you're kind of trying to enable more of those. You know, we don't just um, code and talk about fintech. We also have a life and do other stuff, which I think is also important. And it humanizes a bit the community. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's really hard to do. I think that's why, you know, like I said, we're going to launch these meetups. And, and the whole point of that is to, my big, you know, OKR was build, help foster meaningful one-on-one relationships. And that's, mm. again, back to like, that has nothing to do with Moves Bottom Line, but um, it's important. Like, I, w- I want people to say that they've made really good friends from being part of this community. And so that's, to your point about how it's really hard to do in Slack, I think if we can foster those relationships in person, that'll carry over to Slack. Um, cause you, it, it really helped with FinTech DevCon people getting, I've met all these people, you know, I joined this thing in the middle of COVID and got to meet all these people that I've never met before in real life. And now I really feel like we're all friends. You have to ask them if they feel that way too, but, um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. And how, how do you monitor? Cause you said, you know, meaningful conversations that's between other people. So do you kind of wait for that message that says, oh my God, I love the Slack community, it enabled me to meet X, Y, Z. Is that the kind of messages you're hoping for? Some of it, we and we can see through analytics um, how many DMs there are. And so that's obviously important. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's a big one. We'll measure that by um, the health of the meetups. So we've, we've got four cities we're going to launch in. And then um, when that is sort of humming, we'll have a meetup in a box. And we've got a bunch of other people that want to host them, but we just don't want to do 50 meetups and fall down on our face because we don't have our systems in place. But um, I'm, the health of meetups is a good indicator. And by health, I mean how many people show up to each meetup. It's a really good indicator of if people are building one-on-one relationships. These are in-person meetups. Mm-hmm. These will be in, piece, in person. Okay. Yep. okay. Around the US. Mm-hmm. And we've got people in London and Germany that want to host them as well. Oh, cool. Nice. London. I can go to that one. Um, and in terms of online, uh, really, it's, at the moment, you're just thinking AMAs. You're going to stay away from online, uh, like video calls. 
right? Yeah, I feel like people said. are really sick of it. Um, you know, they're <laughs> good point. The big group ones, it's um, who is it? Some VSUM by Ben Milne, who's the founder of Dwala, mm-hmm. started a thing called VSUM, really high quality virtual events, but it's as hard the amount of effort they put into that is as much as a conference and they do it every quarter. And that's just, it's a heavy lift and it's, I don't know that it's our highest and best use. I think really good quality content, you know, great Slack engagement and in-person stuff is probably our three pillars of what would make our community valuable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so moving forward, what are your, what are you hoping for? Like, what do you, where do you see the Slack community in like a year? You know, I have this, we, at some point we want to really start handing over ownership of it to the community itself. Um, so there's a lot mm. of people that that sh- have shown themselves to be really valuable and interested in the health of the community. And so starting to give them moderator powers. And that's really important to me to turn it over in a way so that they, it really feels like it's not a move thing. It's a community thing. Um, and we'll always mm-hmm. get credit for starting it, but um, it needs to become a life of its own. Hence fintech devcon. Hence the meetups are called fintech devs meetups. So that's probably what I, I would really like to see. Um, also, when we do these in-person meetups, um, that's going to create a sort of what I call like concentric circles of belonging. So you've got your you belong to the you know Denver fintech devs meetup, and you joined in 2021. And you're part of the fintech devs community, and those are like three circles of connection that you can have. And like when you're in Denver, you're, you're part of the Denver 2021 class of fintech devs. And then anyone who joins in 2022, you have a slightly different connection to them. And it's sort of how the military does it, right? Like they they're in the yeah. army, and then you're in this brigade. And I don't know how old they go, but it's a way to make it feel small, even if it's bigger. And that that's my big focus right now is keeping making people feel like they belong to something, even if it's really big. Wow. That's really interesting. How how would you encourage people to stick to the 2020 people? Like what if they want to go meet 2021? Oh yeah, no, they can meet other people and all that stuff. It's just give, basically it's like a badge, a sticker that they get to feel mm. like they're, they're part of. It's like how Y Combinator does batches, right? Your people mm-hmm. say they're W19 or whatever. Same kind of thing. We're not Y Combinator, obviously. Um, we don't sure. give anybody money, but yeah, just, I think, People like people are are evolutionary, evolutionarily evolved to be in small groups, and so giving them that small group within a larger group helps them better identify. And if they identify, they feel like they belong, and if they belong, they'll stick around. So that's sort of my thought process. Yeah, and it is it's sounding a little bit for some reason it makes me think of cohort based courses a little bit. Although I know this is not a course at all, but this is the kind of this is what kind of cohort based courses are also trying to do. There's that lack of community with a huge course that no one, the MOOCs that, you know, no one completes. And with cohort-based courses, at least you're just with the same group of people for, what is it, four, four or five weeks or eight weeks. And that's, there's that. Well, it's a bit like a YC batch, actually, now that you mentioned yep. it. And yeah, it just exactly. makes that a little more. Yeah, that's cool. You also, I wanted to touch on the onboarding because you mentioned it before. I thought uh, you said that you, every time someone uh, new joins, you get on a call with them to kind of talk to them about the community. Is that right? Um, no, I give everyone the option to. So I, I personally Whoa. DM everybody that joins the community and says, hey, welcome. Here's all the resources. Here's my calendar. If you want to find time with me, I'm happy to, to answer any questions, make connections inside and outside the move community. And I'd say maybe uh, between two and four people a week 
take me up on that out of mm-hmm. the average of 25 people a week that join. Yeah. You, so it's not like, yeah, you're, and you've never considered like being uh, exclusive, like you have to go through an onboarding. I'm just asking because I have been through communities where you have to kind of, not not, not an application, but you do a short call. And then if, as long as you're not a spammer, that's probably why they do it. You're yep. in. For you, it's the opposite. It's more like you're in and then we want to call with you. That's how we do it now. We are thinking about adding a sort of application process, not mm. too much, but just to, there's a lot of people that join and then never say anything. Right. And, and mm. this has, their name is like ST two, six, four, nine, five. And it's, but that's not valuable. So yeah, we are, we're thinking about how to do that while not making it, while not throwing up barriers to entry that people that want to be part of it. I think if you, if you, there's a community that says like, you know, check this box if you're X type of person or role. And I think mm-hmm. that'll, a lot of people who aren't will self-select out of that and just, you know, feel bad. Right. But then the people who check that box anyway, and are, it's not true. And then if they break the rules, it's a lot easier for me to be like, well, you checked the box, you lied. Goodbye. Mm. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting because I'm also thinking, you know, do I want to, I, I understand what you mean. And I also would want someone to join my community who's wants to be part of it actually, and maybe participate and yeah, as legitimate person. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's cool that you do that. Um, so I kind of want to also ask you now a little bit about like the future of in, in general, like marketing. I know you're, because you're at a very interesting position where you understand marketing and you're also a software developer, software engineer. What what role do you see in the future? What role does community play in the future? Is it just going to become more and more prominent, more and more important? I haven't really thought about this. Um, I think, uh, I, you know, I've had enough calls with people that want to know how to build a community that I think mm-hmm. it's going to happen. But to my point earlier that for every sector, there's only so many communities that can exist, right? You know, there, how many fintech yeah. marketer communities can there be? You know, I don't, I don't know. Hopefully, not that many. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, right. Hopefully, one. Hopefully, just ours. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Um, but you know, but maybe there's you know maybe there's in in parts of the world where there's you know tons of different languages and there's different norms and stuff. It mm. it doesn't make sense. So maybe there's multi language versions of it. Um, you know, that's something we haven't thought about um, branching out to. But yeah, so that that's that's one thing. I think you're gonna find. Companies, some companies who never cared about it at all are going to try it, say it didn't work, and there'll be some kind Mm -hmm. of backlash to it. Um, But people that get it will get it and it'll, it'll end up going, it'll end up working really well for them. I just think you, you have to, they always say like, don't start a startup that you don't actually care about, right? And that you don't actually like believe in because you're going to burn out. And so it'll be, it's the same thing with a community, but times a hundred, right? Like I spent a day and a half messaging people. And like, if I didn't really like this job and didn't really like helping people, I would be very bad at this job because I would try everything I could to not do that stuff. So my hope is that it actually does really take off because that creates a lot of genuine connection, right? I can't count the number of times that I've reached out to somebody and wanted help and they just tried to sell me something. And I'd like, ended call as soon as humanly possible right but if there was if in every sector if there was a community where i could go find the right find the right material read it still have questions ask 
get good answers, and then be able to turn around and help other people do the same, it would help business move forward. I've always thought that like, there needs to be a wiki for like where business problems are, right? Like what's the bleeding edge of this sector and this problem? And who are all the people working on it? So you can just, instead of having to reinvent four steps back of companies that didn't work, you could just go look at the bleeding edge and go, okay, well, I'm going to step a little bit beyond that. And I think that community really helps with that because you're, you're crowdsourcing knowledge in different business sectors. Um, I think I kind of went off topic there, but um, hopefully no, no, you get I what I mean. Agree. Yeah, I do. And I was actually going to, because I, I, I've been having this debate with friends lately and saying, you know, uh, communities, the future of marketing, but it's true that it depends on the subject. So I think if it's a subjective topic where people are not very sure uh, and we don't have an actual solution yet, then community is super uh, important, right? If I want to find out how to grow my business, man, so many people are going to have different answers to that. Better go to the community. But if I want to find out how many kilos or how many grams are in five kilos, you know, Google is your answer, right? Not community. Right. Where, yeah. where do you think that that kind of line draws? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right in a lot of sense. I think, um, but also like communities are great places to, you know, Google has done a good job of indexing that information, but there, a lot of like the knowledge around how to build in fintech isn't really Googleable um, because it moves so fast. True. And so maybe the right answer there is like for any, any body of knowledge that's currently in flight needs a community around it because it's, it's moving so fast that it's impossible to categorize that knowledge in a valuable way. If that makes sense. Like one, one thing we're trying to do is to take someone will ask a question and you'll get like the head of cash apps engineering team to answer it. And it's like, well, that's a super valuable answer. Like <laughs> we, and we want to really sort of, um, store that for perpetuity, but in six months, that might not be the right answer anymore. Mm. So that's, that's probably the way I would think about it. That's important. So if you want to build a community around a specific subject or topic, it has to be subjective and fast moving because if not, people will use other more reliable sources. One, one, one uh, area of my life where community has been absolutely invaluable is health. I've had a, few, a couple of health issues myself and you know how doctors, well, I don't know. So people, we've all had this experience. One doctor says one thing, another says another. You're completely lost. You go to Google, Google says you're about to die. <laughs> so you end up very confused. Um, and so I joined like five Facebook communities and I just asked so many questions nonstop. And, and obviously you have to be careful because these are not, these are other people like me right. who, who are not doctors and cannot give. And this is where communities, where it's kind of on the edge there because- you don't want to be giving financial advice or, or, or health advice that could put that person's life at risk. So it is careful. And it's always, you always have to put that disclaimer, you know, your life is at risk, blah, blah, blah. But if you're able to take responsibility, these, these health communities that I was part of probably saved me a lot of money because I was able to pick the right surgeon and saved me a lot of stress and also saved me in terms of being able to vent on stuff, on, on, on problems that I was dealing with that only they could understand because. No one else was going through this in my immediate surroundings. Um, so there's something there. This is why I've personally experienced it. And that's why I'm very excited about it too. And I know that there's something there. The The hard part is figuring out how to, like that sweet spot, essentially. And I think that's what's so exciting about what you've done. You've found that sweet spot, I feel. And this is why I really wanted to chat to you about it. Also, I'm just out of curiosity. You said you wanted to start a crypto company. What do you, what, what do you think of 
of crypto in all in all of this, like NFTs and all this stuff? <laughs> is this uh, <laughs> is this well, you think crypto will help crypto company. encourage? It, sorry, so you did do it. Yeah, a long time ago, I started. I started a company and, and sold it, and then I I wanted to start a neo bank that taught people basic financial literacy before it might because I have this problem with crypto where people say buy a Bitcoin it'll moon and then you'll never have to deal with things again. And it's like have you never heard of how people win the mm-hmm. lottery and then lose that money in a week? Right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to yeah. you have to teach people financial inclusion. Um, crypto NFTs. You know, I came from that world to the fintech world, which is the opposite path for most people. The opposite, yeah, yeah. And it it's sort of all the things you talked about with like the medical communities, right? Like it is, it's all community and it is, it's extremely fast moving and it is subjective, right? Because like, is this kind of money better? Are these NFTs as valuable as a, you know, whatever kind of print? So it's actually, it's this is where communities get dangerous, right? Because people can, I, this is my thing about crypto. The best marketers are working on the worst projects and the worst projects or the best projects mm-hmm. have the worst marketing. It's 100% how it happens. Cause to the, where you started this call, right? Like software engineers, people that do that are not really focused on marketing. And so the smartest people I know are working on projects that are really interesting, but nobody's ever heard of it because they don't have, 30,000 person telegram group that you've got, you know, 20 people running. And so I, I think that it's with everything in crypto, it just needs to um, mature a little bit. You know, some of the fun will go away when you do that, but uh, we can't have global decentralized money that is also constantly ripping people off. And that's, that's not a true characterization of all crypto. Most people in crypto are the smartest people in the world and they, they want to work on it because it, removes power and decentralizes power. So yeah, I think, I don't know exactly your question. Maybe I cut you off. <laughs> no, no. I mean, so I'll tell you why I'm thinking this is because um, last week I bought an NFT. Oh, uh, <laughs> And yeah, and and it was absolutely mind-blowing, the experience in terms of community. I mean, people were so excited that I couldn't keep up with the chat. I was up until late. I hadn't felt that way since I'd been a gamer when I was a teenager, you know? And I'm I was so like blown away by it that I'm I'm writing an article because I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. Marketers, please take note. And what really struck me also is that I realized in the in the NFT DAO crypto community, the community is also the product. Because if if we rally enough people together to go on Twitter and raid and shill, as they say, which means promote, promote, promote you know, get out for influencers, then the price of my NFT is going to increase in value and I'm going to financially benefit. So that's what was really interesting is that, and I'm also part of this writer community where you're issued tokens and basically if you publish, you have to pay with, they're, they're, they're not like, you can't exchange them for fiat, but they're just tokens. And I'm just seeing this kind of merge, right? Where when you introduce financial incentives, suddenly it becomes a lot more interesting, the community, and also... Also, I wanted to mention this because, you know, I've been part of this crazy um, Discord, buying this NFT. It's absolutely so much, so much fun, so much adrenaline. And then I go back to like the normal Slack communities and I'm like, wow, that's so different, right? (laughs) Um, And as a marketer, I'm just very interested in that behavior, like how it's completely different when you're, when you're talking about financial incentives and digital art. Uh, Yeah. So that's just kind of my thoughts. I don't know what your, what are your thoughts on that and what has been your experience? 
Yeah, I mean, euphoria is real, right? Like um, when everyone thinks they're going to get rich and are, are talking mm. about moons and also have Zillow up with a multi-million dollar condo in New York. Like that's, um, people love that stuff. Um, I think in general, that kind of stuff is the same thing we saw with the ICO wildness. Mm. Um, and it's funny, like I joined right sort of in the middle of the ICO wildness in the crypto world. And so, and then I, luckily founded a company right as everything was crashing. And so I, I was in crypto for the last whole winter. Um, and so I've seen what it's, what happens when there's no, um, euphoria. And that's sort of to my point, like there was a lot of people doing a lot of great work in the last three years where there was no euphoria. Right. And now there's a ton. And I think that that's important for bringing a new wave of people into the space but that that music has to stop, right? Like the pumpkin, tur- you know, it turns back into a pumpkin at midnight. It always does. It is impossible for that not to happen. There will be some really valuable things that come out of this. But is it everybody buying an NFT and getting rich and and you know getting shipped? I don't know. I I just think that there will be valuable stuff that comes out of giving people stuff to join a community. But is it always going to be the same euphoria that you experience? Probably not. Mm. I think what it's going to end up looking like is just gating in in by ownership of this stuff. I think what's really the most valuable part of the crypto ecosystem, or at least the Ethereum and that kind of ecosystem, is that you can have these wallets that have information in them that you can then view as an application or as a, a company and help understand business decisions. One of my friends is working on, you know, connect your wallet to our app and you know, stake your tokens within our app. So you're still staking it on the same exchange, but letting us view what you're earning. And then the, the, it's a DTC brand. They'll match what your rewards are, like what your staking rewards are for being on the app. And it's just a way for that brand to keep the consumer engaged in their application and it with their product. Um, and I think that kind of thing, just being able to have visibility into what users own is the most exciting part about crypto and marketing less so the sort of getting people to join communities because they all own a lion or whatever it is not that like i'm glad you're having fun right like i'm not i'm not trying to talk you know and i think it's great that people are having fun but i think the real mechanisms aren't as clear or attractive right now but they will be in six to twelve months when all this comes crashing down right so and if you're up more than 100 percent, please sell for the love of god yeah, yeah. No, don't worry. I would. <laughs> um, and also, I think what what we're, the the key words here are use cases, right? We want to make sure that it's actually useful. If not, it's it's not very relevant. Anyway, this is super interesting. Obviously, you could talk about this for hours, but just want to ask you one last question before we finish off, which is: Say I am a fintech founder, and I am, and I'm very sold on on this community stuff, and I probably will set up a Slack. Uh, and I'm not going to be, you know, salesy or annoying. I actually want to genuinely help people. Are there any like, you know, tips, you know, mistakes that you made when you first started and you'd be like, okay, this one, I wouldn't do it again. I mean, I'm so perfect. Um, no, I think <laughs> <laughs> probably, um, the mistake that I made was not, not understanding the broader scope right away or not, not spending enough time going deep on everything, not just move. And so they move took a big gamble on me because I, I didn't come from fintech and I was able to get up to speed pretty quickly. Um, but I'd 
I'd like to have gotten up to speed faster. And so if you're going to do this and you're going to start a community, it's great that you understand your product and the problem that you're solving, but try to understand a really in a really holistic sense, what's the problem? What are the problems that everybody's trying to solve and how can you fix it? So like take lending, for example, not just we do you know, um, factoring on invoices, right? It's like, what are all the lending issues and use cases and who are all the people and, and try to build a mind map of what those problems are and who the people are and make sure that they're all in your community first. And then from there, when people join, they'll see there's a sort of space for them, no matter what it is. Keep it accessible. Yeah. Right. You're better at summarizing than me. Because you're a marketer. <laughs> no, no. I mean, no, no just, just an idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, great. Well, thank you so much, Graham, for coming on. It's been it's been really interesting. And I really feel that fintech marketers and founders listening to this will be a bit more inspired because I think the world is a better place with more genuine communities, not salesy ones. And hopefully this episode will inspire people to create those kind of communities. So thank you very much for coming on. I hope so too. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can find all the information and show notes over at fintechmarketinghub.com and then click on podcast. We've also got a fintech marketing Slack community where you can meet fellow fintech marketers and founders, ask podcast guest questions ahead of a show and attend exclusive online events with industry experts. We'd love to see you in there, hear your feedback and learn about the challenges you're currently facing in your role. To join head to fintechmarketinghub.com forward slash slack. That's all for today. See you in the slack. Slack.